Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thank you so much for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. I know that you spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to help provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I am particularly excited to welcome three amazing gentlemen who are the co-founders and creators and business developers of the fabulous company Card Ninja. Gentlemen, I want to welcome Sunder and Kumar Jambunathan, as well as Chris Page from Card Ninja. Guys, welcome. Thanks so much. We're happy to be here. And we are using technology well because you are all in three different locations. Is that correct? <laughs> it is. Uh, this is Sunder. I'm. I'm in. We're all at. I'm in Manhattan. Chris is in Brooklyn, and Kumar is in California. Brilliant. We are coast to coast. All righty. So, gentlemen, I know this is going to be a fun group conversation, and clearly, you're having a lot of fun. But you are working hard to make this company happen. How did you all first meet, and how did you come up with the idea for the company? And in that, tell us the story. What is the Card Ninja product? Sure. Um, you know, maybe I'll, this is Sunder. Maybe I'll, I'll tell you how we met. And then, you know, Chris or Kumar, if you want to talk about the product. Um, so Kumar and I are brothers. So we, you know, grew up together, always thinking about ideas and, you know, coming up with, coming up with inventions and, you know, sort of always, always daydreaming and brainstorming about what we were going to do together. Um, Chris and I went to college together um, and sort of did much the same in school, thinking about ideas and, and, you know, pitching different concepts together. So I think when we had this idea that we thought really, really made sense and could be turned into a real business. Um, it just made a lot of, lot of good sense to work together. And you know, I think our backgrounds really fit into it well. Where My background is in finance. And I you know, worked in private equity in New York for, for quite a while. Um, Kumar's background is in product development. And he's worked in uh, some, several product development startups that have done really well in California. And then Chris's background is in, is in manufacturing and in, in law. And he um, took two, two years off to go to to law school, um, so he's got a he's got a really great legal background that he brings to it. Good to have a lawyer on the team, Chris. Right? Always good to have a lawyer. Yeah, I was just gonna say, unless it was an accelerated program, law school's three years. I know because I've worked with lawyers for many many years. So well done. So, gentlemen, I would love. For, yeah, exactly. I'd love for one of you to explain what the Card Ninja product is so our audience can really visualize that. Or perhaps they're in front of a tablet or a laptop and they can actually pull it up on their computer. What is the product? So, um, the product, it's, um, it's basically the most minimal footprint you can have for a wallet. And um, it was when there's a lot of technology that was starting to try to replace payment cards. Um, you know, Square came into the market, and uh, and Google Wallet with its NFC system. Um, we looked and said that you know you probably actually can't replace most of the things in your wallet with electronics or with a, with an electric signal, specifically driver's licenses, work IDs, or any other number of cards that don't have an electronic format. And so we wanted to deliver the convenience of only having that one essential item in your pocket, um, namely your phone, but also with the functionality of you know, payments or carrying a driver's license, et cetera. 
Um, and while there were some cases in the market that did something similar, they had a much bigger footprint. So they were specific to you know one particular phone model or something like that. And so we kind of created this universal solution where you can carry all of your essentials um, right on the back of your phone. And it works with pretty much every single smartphone. And it can hold anywhere from three to eight cards and uh, as well as other essentials. What, what I love is the simplicity of the design. You know, as, as a woman who carries around a large bag everywhere I go, you know, the, the more that I can simplify that, the better. And we all have a smart device, right? So it just simplifies, as you just said, Chris, all the things that we have to carry with you. And it, it can stick onto the back, right? But then it can be removed, which is, I think, a very important feature. So, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about being entrepreneurs, right? Because you all have such varied backgrounds. And this was a big leap, right? In in coming together and creating a product, taking it to market. So who would like to chime in first and talk about the idea and how that came to pass? Um, I can speak to that. This is Kumar. Uh, the, the, you know, the genesis of the idea actually came from a legitimate problem. Uh, Sundar, who travels frequently, was running to the airport one day and got his security and, you know, he usually gets to the airport about 10 minutes before he's supposed to be on a plane. So he's scrambling through <laughs> security. I and, got the visual. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> he, uh, he ran through security and sure enough, he grabbed his smartphone um, once he got past security and left his wallet behind. And waiting in line to get on the plane, remembered it, ran back. And luckily, um, was able to get to Wallet. But, you know, in, con in talking to him after the fact, he mentioned that happened. And it really got me thinking that, you know, in this modern day and age, we rely more on our smartphones than anything else. And so if you can consolidate, you know, your wallet in a way that works universally, um, let's try and do that. And so being a mechanical engineer, uh, I'm pretty accustomed to solving problems using mechanical solutions. Um, and so that's why I started thinking about a design that would integrate with your smartphone that was, you know, a physical pocket. Um, and it kind of leveraged the synergy that Sundar and I have. You know, I come from a fulfillment background and Chris comes from a business background. And he, he proposed the idea of, well, what about a universal solution? Why not? Why does that have to work with only one phone or only a, why does it only have one specific case or you know, why does a retailer have to have an infrastructure for it? Let's come up with something that works with everything. And that's how we came up with the design that we uh, finalized and patented. Awesome. Awesome. So, Chris, what role did you play? I mean, clearly as the lawyer and another business mind, you know, how did you come into the to the company? Were you there from the get-go or did you come in a little bit later? It was, it was a little bit later. Um, I was actually, I was over at Sunny's uh, apartment uh, in New York. And um, and we were just kind of having a chat, and uh, he he brought this up to me, and um, and I'd had some previous experience with uh, putting together other I guess young organizations, and I was familiar with with I guess some of the common problems that are involved in those, or, or not even problems, just you know the initial steps that have to be taken to set certain things up. So I think as the conversation progressed, the center got more and more involved, and. And as he talked more and more about the product, it seemed like something that was unique. It seemed like there was a lot of market potential for it. It seemed like you know it was defensible, um, that it 
it wouldn't become obsolete. So I thought it had real legs. And uh, and so kind of from that night on, my involvement kind of continued to grow more and more as, um, you know, our, our level of interaction grew to pretty much a daily basis. So thank you for, for mentioning some of the steps along the process. I know a lot of my listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs, right? And they've got these great... Uh, inventions or ideas, and they're trying to figure out how to get it to market. So talk to us about the first prototype. Kumar, did you literally just build this yourself and then figure out how do we go from here? Tell me about that process. Uh, that's, that's basically exactly how it happened. Uh, my background is in product development, but my, my product development background is really focused on um, medical devices. So I had, um, you know, sort of a a process for developing medical devices that use injection molding and more common large-scale manufacturing techniques. And when it came to designing this flexible pocket, um, I had to learn how to do things like walk into a fabric store and know where to go. Yeah. So, so, um, so that was the learning curve for me. And so my wife luckily knew how to sew, and so I, you know, I spent days down in the garage uh, going trips to the fabric store, just learning about fabric learning about sewing, uh, and that's really how I started it. And Excellent. I just started making prototypes. My first prototype they actually made out of paper. I can imagine. Hey, thanks for crediting your wife, too. So she's part of the success. Well done. (laughs) So, okay, so we've got the prototype, right? And then what's next, right? Because, again, as I said, so many people are jumping into the entrepreneurial pond and specifically with a great idea. So so then you've got to get it manufactured on a large scale. So what's what's the next step? Who pursued that? I mean, I think, actually, even before you move into the manufacturing step, it's important to identify what else is out on the market, um, to do a lot of market research and make sure that there's basically nobody who's done the same thing before. Um, and additionally, uh, it's really important to see if you have any patent potential, which fortunately we did, um, because if you can get patent protection, then you avoid one of the biggest problems that I think a lot of young companies run into, which is, you know, they'll launch a product, some, you know, a bigger company that already has very high-skilled manufacturing can come in and try to do the exact same thing and sell it, you know, at a lower price because they have lower cost uh, per unit. So we did a lot of research to make sure that our product was genuinely unique and that, you know, that it did have real patent potential, which I think maybe Sundar, you could talk a little bit more about. Um, one other thing I was going to mention, this is Kumar, um, building, on, building on what Chris said, when you first have an idea that you think is, you know, a, it has a real potential, and most entrepreneurs think that about every one of their ideas, um, but my, my wife and I decided, you know, more than just looking at the patent, we went to an Apple store and said, let's look at this. Someone must have thought of something like this before. And we went to the Apple store and we were digging through their uh, their aisles of cases and sleeves. And, you know, after 20 minutes of digging with all the Apple employees looking at us, she turned to me and said, I can't believe no one thought of this before. <laughs> and that's how I knew that this is a really good idea. That's great. That's great. And you whispered in the Apple store, right? So no one ran to uh, to develop their own prototype. <laughs> Thank you for that, gentlemen. That's awesome. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, something that I think helped you at ASI Orlando. I understand that you were chosen as best 
promo product at the ASI trade show, and a couple of the Shark Tank judges were part of that process. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was a. Um, this is Sunder. That was a. That was a bit of an unusual experience. Um, it was. Uh, I think Kumar was working on um, on getting one of our new manufacturers launched that week. So um, Chris, myself, and my wife Rupa actually went down to Orlando. Uh, to participate in this contest, and we, you know, I don't think we really had a good sense of what we were getting in, ourselves into. But ASI is basically a trade show, and I think that was definitely a lesson learned. We we decided we wanted to be in one of the industries we wanted to be in was promotional, you know, basically branded products that right, right. companies give away, and we thought that made a lot of sense. So we said, how do we, how do we launch in that industry? So we joined the trade show. Um, and then we kind of looked for ways to build a bigger presence, and we saw that they had a competition about basically what's the best product for, for the year. So we put together a little video and submitted it, and lo and behold, they, they said, you're, you've won, and you're part of four, uh, four different companies that are going to come and present in Orlando. So we, we flew down to Orlando and put a little PowerPoint presentation together and had a little, basically a little pitch that we were going to do with my, myself, Chris, and Rupa. Um, and we get there, and the little pitch we were planning on doing ended up being in a room of 1,400 people that was standing room only. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so, and, and there's a small little stage, and then ten feet away is uh, sitting Barbara Corcoran and Kevin O'Leary wow. from Shark Tank. Um, so we weren't. I, I don't know that you could really ever be fully prepared for that. We we were not fully prepared for that. Um, and so Chris, and so the three of us were just sitting backstage, um, getting ready to pitch, and the other companies went on, and they were they were all uh, much older. They'd all been in the promotional industry for. For quite a few years, they were very experienced, and then you know it was us sort of sitting there with no idea what we were doing in that industry and just really trying to get into it for the first time. Um, and so that everyone was doing their pitches, and we we heard them going. We heard the first one go really, really well, and the audience was laughing, and everyone was having a great time. And the pitch ended, and then Barbara started the pre st the first thing Barbara said was, "That was a great presentation. This product is terrible." And then spent the next 10 minutes telling them why it was a horrible idea and she thought it was the dumbest thing she'd ever seen and didn't want to even talk about it. She thought it was so silly and it was a waste of her time. Um, and so Chris and I were sitting there saying like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, now what? Yeah. We thought that was a good, a good pitch. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of went up there and, and, and did our pitch. Um, and lo and behold, they actually they loved the product. So Kevin and Barbara gave us some, some really good feedback about how to run it as a company, but you know, overall they they were extremely positive, and um, it actually ended up choosing us after our, our pitch as the as the best product. So we actually ended up winning winning the contest. That's um, amazing, and which and, is amazing. And with that, there was a cash prize. But I imagine the PR was really priceless, right? To sort of put you on the map as this young, hot new company with a great product. Am I right? Absolutely. We uh, well afterwards they, they gave us a uh, they gave us a check for five thousand dollars, which was which was pretty cool. But I think even cooler than that was um, well it was two things. One was that after we got it, we went over to the the room afterwards to to get the check, and we got to stand and and talk with Barbara Corcoran for probably about fifteen or twenty minutes, uh, one on one, just the the three of us in a room with her, Very um, nice. talking about the company, which was which was really incredible. I mean, she was. Uh, Chris could probably tell you more about about what that was like. Some private coaching, huh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, she, she <laughs> was tons of fun. She was, she was 
almost exactly like you see on, on Shark Tank on ABC where you know, she speaks her mind in this very unfiltered way. But it, her mind, you know, she's got such great experience over the years that she can give insight, you know, that you might not be able to find from just about anybody else on the planet. Um, so it was just it was an incredible conversation. And she had a lot of really good candid insight that, that we took to heart and, uh, and definitely incorporated in our thoughts going forward. That's awesome. So, you know, a $5,000 check is certainly welcomed, but I, but I know as a, as a fellow entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm not in a product industry, but a service industry as a career coach, you know, sometimes you need funding, right? So was that an issue for you? And how, how did you navigate your initial funding? Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. It was definitely something that, that came up, you know, starting off, we were, we were self-funded. Um, and you know, probably not long after that show, we were getting to the point where the orders we were taking were growing. When we, when we started, we were basically getting orders of one or two on our website, um, and then we grew and we started selling to individual retailers. We were selling ten or twenty, um, and then after that, we started to bring on bigger distributors. Where, where our orders were going to, you know, one hundred, two hundred. Um, not long before that, then we started doing orders of five thousand and ten thousand at a time. And I think that's when we realized we're going to need a lot more money to, you know, partially just for inventory, yeah, partially to kind of provide manufacturing um, for new products and, and development of new products, and then partially kind of advertising to support everything and, and push sales and uh, do all those things. So that's when we really started to go out and, um, and and start to raise money. And what we ended up thinking was that I think this is always the issue with um, with startups is. It's a question of how much of your company do you give away? Yeah, you know, because things are changing so quickly, you really don't want to give away too much if you think things are going to change very quickly in the very near future. And you know, we were definitely at that inflection point where we didn't want to give away too much because we we thought that we had so many things on our horizon. We thought we were about to have a patent awarded. We were about to get a few new retailers that we were going to launch with. We were about to get a few new licensing partners. All these things were right on the right on the edge of happening. And we didn't want to give away too much right before they happened, but we also didn't want to get caught flat-footed. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the big retail order. So we, we ended up doing a raise of uh, $500,000, which we put together from a combination of, of people in our network. Um, and I think one of the things we really were surprised about is once you actually go out and start talking to people about it as an investment opportunity, um, it's always surprising to see who knows who um, and you know get introductions that way. And I think that was a big part of how it happened where we were talking to one person about it and they said, oh, well, you should talk to this guy, and you should talk to this guy, and you should talk to this woman. And through that, I think we, we met a lot of different people, some of whom um, didn't become investors, but are you know, our advisors and people we speak to still, and then some of whom actually ended up becoming, becoming investors um, and who are you know, not just investors but mentors and advisors to us now. That's great. I, I'm so happy to hear that because you're right. They're not just financial investors. You know, it's also important to have that advice and that wisdom. And I'm glad to hear that you capitalized on on mentors as well and, and sponsors. So, gentlemen, I'd love to hear you three are the core management team and certainly the co-founding team. But tell me how many employees or contract employees. Tell me about the business model. What does that look like? Because clearly you're on the grow. So how do you scale up? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think our, our big focus with, with the company, and I think everyone's focus with a company of this size, is, um, is how do you make it scalable? You know, it's, it's really tough to support um, a lot of full-time employees. It's just a very, very high cost burden. So 
we've always been focused on how do you um, how do you keep your overhead low, um, and so I think the way we've been able to do that was really by saying that most of the things that we can outsource we do. Um, so if it's web design, we try to outsource that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have anyone on on staff full time. Um, if it's if it's manufacturing, that was something where initially we had it in house um, and had had quite a few people that we had full full time helping us with that. But that was something as we got bigger, we realized it was tough to grow our manufacturing steadily because our, our orders weren't growing steadily. We would go from an order of 100 to 1,000 to 50,000. Um, and it's tough for us to grow our own manufacturing capacity in that way. So we, we outsourced that side of the company. Um, and then sales was, was the other big one, probably the biggest one where to actually go and build a sales team on our own is, is just extremely expensive. And so we were able to find a few good companies that we aligned with, um, and we actually end up, ended up having now 10 different sales firms that we work with, um, each of whom have a different focus. So we have a team in the Northeast of, of sales reps that are extremely experienced, that have been in the industry for a very long time and know all the major retailers. We have another team like that that's in the Midwest, another one that's in the South, another one that's on the West Coast, another one that's focused on, on international markets, um, and so on and so forth. And so these are all teams that are commission-driven, um, but that are very committed to us because we've we've done some big work together with them, and and we've had some really really great success together. But it's all it's all commission-driven. So from our perspective, we're only we're only having to make a payment if there's a sale that's associated with it, which I think is a um, is a really great model for a for a small company. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me about the branded product. So, so for example, if you know XYZ company wants to buy Card Ninja, do they then have their logo put on Card Ninja? So it is that kind of opportunity to customize the product. Yeah, that, that's that's really what it is. You know, we really have um, we have really three different divisions of the company. Um, one is is retail. Which is the most straightforward? It's it's our product, it's our logo, it's our packaging, um, and that's what you'd find if you go into a Verizon store, for example. Um, we sell that version there. We sell it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The extension of that version is a licensed version, which is again still our patented product, still our packaging, but it has it features designs or logos or patterns that we're licensing from other companies, um, and we can we can talk about some of the companies we're working with now that we're. We're going to be kicking off, and it's something we're really excited about. Uh, but those will be someone else's art, but on our product in in our retailers. Um, and then the third version is promotional. And that's what we really kind of kicked off with ASI, um, where a company will approach one of our distributors, um, or they can approach us directly, and we can refer them to one of our distributors. Um, and they basically just send us artwork, and we would have a graphic designer mock it up, put together a proof of what it looks like, um, and then we produce it. We, we imprint their logo directly on the product. We can custom package it and, and send it out. And it becomes a really great gift for employees or for clients. And, you know, we, we sort of fell into it by accident because we got an email one day from, from Google um, saying, hey, this is really cool. We have an event coming up. Can you do these for us? And, you know, we sort of wrote back and said, yes, yes, of course. And then we kind of figured out how to build a business behind it. <laughs> I get it. Ne- necessity is the mother of invention. Absolutely. <laughs> I- I'd love to hear it. If you're able to share, you'll check with your lawyer since he's on the line. If you're able to share the names of the other companies that you're working with now, te- tell us about those. Sure. Uh, Chris, is that okay with you, Chris? 
I think um, yeah. So on the you know, I guess the licensed part is what we're we're talking about, and so that's I think yeah. the the first one that's um, that we're really kicking off right now is um, is is Realtree. Um, so Realtree is a international company that has its own line of of camouflage and outdoor gear. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a huge presence throughout, particularly in the South, but nationally uh, in uh, in a lot and basically every major retailer and every big sporting goods dealer you can come across. And for us, the the partnership was really natural because we've seen a lot of people are taking our product and using it in active situations. So it could be going to the gym, it could be going hunting or camping or fishing, traveling, you know, all those situations, it just makes a lot of sense to have a product like this. And, you know, that, that's a brand that's so focused and it's created this whole um, market of people that are, you know, outdoor enthusiasts or travel enthusiasts. Um, that we approached, we approached Realtree about about partnering, um, and so they were really easy to work with. And so we put together a licensing deal with them. It was one of the first licensing deals we ever negotiated, uh, um, and it basically gives us the right now to use their custom camouflage patterns and their artwork and their logos. It's gonna be the first week we're getting some samples back to um, of the initial versions of the product. So we'll have a a traditional camouflage version of the product, um, which is going to have their patterns and their logo on it. And then we're also going to have a, a pink camo version, which is more female-focused, and it's um, it's going to be a really unique uh, a unique product where it, it features their um, their pink camo pattern, uh, which is, interestingly, is actually working really well in the outdoor market, but it's also kind of taking on a, a life of its own in more urban markets where it's kind of a, a fashion statement. Very um, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well done. So, gentlemen, I would love to hear your advice. I'd like one bit of advice from each of you for the entrepreneur listening, right? The person that's sitting in their home with this great idea and maybe a prototype that they put together. Kumar, maybe they even did it on paper, right? And they've got the first iteration. So what's your advice to them now that you've been there and done that and you continue to grow this company? Chris, I'd love to hear from you first. Sure. No, I'm actually going to cheat. I've got two pieces of advice. Okay, uh, cheat away. Be skeptical and hard on yourself. Um, I think it's so valuable, you know, that we were willing to ask ourselves the tough questions before we go in front of other people that are going to ask us the, t- the tough questions. Um, and, you know, that, it was useful in every aspect of the business, whether it was presentations, whether it was product development, whatever. And, uh, and the second piece is uh, just try to keep up momentum uh, in all the relationships that you're developing along the way. Uh, you want to keep momentum going. You don't want to it's, – it's weird and it's irrational, but it's a psychological thing that we're all kind of hardwired to do is that if we get bored of something, we become less dedicated to it. And so I think keeping up real momentum with, uh, with every outside and inside partner is very, very important. Awesome. Good advice. Kumar, batter up. What do you think? Um, I would just say, you know, as as a guy who's worked in startups and been in the garage by myself many times trying to think of ideas, um, don't get discouraged. A lot of times when you have a vision in your head, um, when you make your first prototype, a lot of times that vision doesn't get communicated very clearly to other people. So if you're going to make a prototype out of paper and show it to somebody for the first time, they may have a negative reaction for it because they don't understand because your prototype's not communicating well. So 
don't take that that first negative feedback to heart. I mean, that's something you just have to push past. If there's if there's something that they're pointing out, it's your job to address it. But don't get discouraged and stop working on it because of that. Excellent, excellent. Sunder, um, I'd say find great partners. You know, I I came from a, a very large company that I was working with previously, um, and I think. Part of the incentive to leave was to do something a little smaller where you have more ownership and you have more control and there's less hierarchy. But I think the second you leave that that structure and you're you're kind of out on your own, you start to realize, hey, there was there's some value to having all that hierarchy and that structure and those resources. Um, and a lot of what we've spent time doing is is building a team and getting really good partners that you know, like like Kumar and like Chris, some of our distributors, some of our partners, you know, really big partners that can you know, bring really big resources and, and different skill sets to the table. I think that's that's really important to grow grow quickly. Excellent advice. So, gentlemen, let's cut to the chase. How can we buy Card Ninja? How can we follow you online and, you know, perhaps order a custom product if that's uh, appropriate for our scenario? Tell us how we can find you. Sure. Um, we, we we try to make ourselves pretty easy to uh, Pretty easy to find, but I think there's a lot of different ways to, to find us these days. Um, if you want a custom version for a company, um, wholesale at cardninja.com is the best way, and we would we could refer you to one of our distributors um, around the country or in, in quite a few other countries that can um, take you through the whole process. Um, if you're trying to find the product for yourself, um, we sell it through our website, cardninja.com. Um, we're going to be launching a new site for our new brand, which we're launching, which is Cubby, C-U-B-I. So we'll be launching cubby.co very shortly. Um, the product's also available online at Amazon and then in stores. It's in quite a few retailers. It's in Verizon stores um, nationally. You can find all the locations on our website. Um, and it's also in CVS. So we're in CVS uh, stores nationally. Well uh, done. Well yeah. done. Good stuff. So, so last thing, what's new? You know, what's coming up? Because clearly you're growing by the minute. So tell me a little bit about Cubby and what's coming down the road. Sure. Yeah, Cubby is uh, really our focus on, on really day-to-day -day storage. Um, and I think that was really the concept of Card Ninja was something that it makes, takes the little hassles of your day and finds really, really smart ways to deal with them. Um, in ways that sort of feel obvious, like like when Kumar was saying when his when his wife Tanya said, "Hey, how come has, someone hasn't thought of this yet?" You know that that's really the goal of, of of Cubby is to come up with more products that help store things and carry things and, and deal with all the little things you need to deal with in your day in ways that just feel feel obvious. Um, and so we're launching uh, we're in the process right now of putting together a line of products that help you do that. And it, it's really it's really more focused on problems. You know, it's it's less about saying we want to work in this particular category. But it's more saying what are what are the things that you need to carry and how can we how can we help you carry them? Awesome. Well, that's exciting. I wish all three of you great success and much abundance in this new year. And what a delight to have you on, Sunder, Kumar, and Chris. I am delighted that you could join me, and I thank you for your time and expertise today. Hey, thank you so much. This has been fun. Good. You are so welcome. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning into Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care.